0: scripture discussing the second coming of Christ and the end times. Um, We kind of opened this up uh, a few weeks ago talking about a lot of churches don't like to address what we've been talking about um, and um, but but I just feel like the Lord has been blessing us. I hope you guys have been blessed amen. We opened up the first week talking about where are we in time Um, Pastor Brad then brought a message on week two talking about the two minute warning. If you have not had a chance to hear these messages, go back and take a good uh, look and listen to them. And then last week we talked about hope in a world of chaos, that no matter how chaotic our world continues to grow, we have hope in Jesus. Amen? Amen? And then today I'd like to talk to you just for a little bit about the final stages. The final stages. This entire series is really about encouraging you and, and filling you with hope that Jesus is coming back for us, and more importantly, that his return is coming soon, and that we are ready. Everybody say ready. ready. That we are ready, and, and that we are prepared and not scared. I shared last week that, that a biblical prophecy was not given to scare us, but to prepare us. That's, that's a truth, and that we are ready and we are repa- prepared for his return. Pastor Brad and I have been bouncing around a lot in and out of Matthew 24. And I know that there's other um, in Luke and Mark that gives some of the same things that, that Matthew gives us in Matthew 24, but, but I really wanted to stay consistent with this. And so I want to get right back into it. Matthew 24, starting with verse 12, is going to come up on the screen for you. And it says this. Remember, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world, so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. The final stages. Um... I was thinking about um, the final stages, like when Lori and I, I got married. Um, back um, in 1988, we were at a place of dating on and off for three and a half years. We were, she was, we were going to school together out at Bethany University in Santa Cruz, California, and um, at one point, I was like, I'm not letting this girl go. I wanna marry her. We went down to the coast and talked a little bit about it. And she said she wanted to marry me, made me very happy. Everything was, you know, great. Uh, then we, we knew that um, I, I would have to let my parents know. And then I had to get on the phone and, and call Texas and talk to her mom and dad. And uh, that was a really funny conversation in itself, but I don't have time to talk about it. But, um, but then I knew it was time to, you know, go get a ring. We would have to get engaged. In fact, I have some pictures here of our engagement night. There we are. Yes. I know. Back in that, guys, look at my mullet. You guys, come on. I had ju- listen. I had just cut two and a half inches off of it. <laughs> so anyway, that was a, that's that's our our engagement, engagement night. And um, but we had to then set a date. Then it was time for her to go back to Texas to get ready for the wedding. We were going to get married in Fort Worth. I stayed in California, continued to work. She went home and actually had to have an ACL surgery. Um, And back in the late 80s, ACL surgeries aren't like they are today, where it's orthoscop and some I mean, it was a, a legit, hardcore knee surgery. And then, while she's recovering from the ACL surgery, she is planning a wedding. Ladies, can you even imagine? You know, and I would get phone calls. We, I would call her. She would call me, and, and, I, and she would be telling me about her recovery and then how tough planning a wedding is. I wish you were here. Um, my mom's mad at me. I'm mad at my mom, and, and I've got the phone off the side. I'm going, thank you, God, I'm not there. You know, but, but anyway, but, but anyway, it was one of those things where I, I, was like, I was like saying things, oh, baby, I wish I could be there and everything, but, but she's preparing for this big day. Well, the day came within two weeks of the wedding, or two and a half weeks, that I got on a plane in Oakland, California, and was flying to Fort Worth to marry my soon-to-be bride. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. When I sat down in the seat, I'll never forget this. I can still remember it. I realized there was no turning back. You know what I mean? And I, I mean this in a good way. I, I wanted to marry her. I wasn't thinking about turning back, but I just knew this is real. Is everybody with me? And so I had entered the final stages. I was ready. I knew I was ready. And guys, in October, we're going to be celebrating 35 years of marriage. Come on. And over the past four weeks, we have been looking together at Matthew 24 and Jesus is taking the time with his disciples to talk about his return, when, the signs, what to look for and what will happen as they wait. Remember, let me just, let's look at it again, just a shorter version of it, 24-14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then... And then the end will come. So what we have just read, and what I want you all to know, is, is that Jesus is coming soon. Church, hear my voice, hear these words, that Jesus is coming soon. In Revelations twenty-two twelve, this is Jesus actually speaking. He says, look, I am coming soon. And a majority of other translations, this actually says, behold, I am coming soon. If you take soon out of that scripture and, and look at it through the Greek, it is tahu. And tahu means quickly. It means suddenly. It means without delay. And I'm going to tell you what, church, that, you know, occasionally Brad and I will take verses and words out of the Hebrew and the Greek. And you know why we do it? It's not so that we can show off Greek and all that because I'm not a Greek scholar. Brad, Yes, you know what I mean? But, but, but one of the things is is that it, it, it allows you to know is that we're not taking Scripture out of context. We're keeping things consistent. So when Jesus says soon, he's talking about suddenly, without delay. Lou Giglio, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He had a definition about Jesus coming soon. I don't know if it's his but, or who he got that from, but I'm going to say it's his, Lou Giglio. So guys, look at this. It's going to come up on the screen. Soon, in the biblical sense, is a relative term when used in relation to the eternal nature of the Almighty, who exists outside time and space, yet concurrently operates within the confines of finite human history as I am. God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thus, use of the term soon as understood by the eternal mind may be interpreted to mean promptly. As in right now, or to mean in a future time, say within the next hundred to a thousand years. The latter of which in God time is the equivalent of one human day, therefore soon. Isn't that good, you guys? Listen, you know, on the day of Pentecost, we all know that prophecy was fulfilled. We know that in Joel 2, verses 28 through 29, Joel says that in the last days, God will pour, I will pour my spirit upon all men. And we know that in Acts 2, 17, that Peter going out to address people, accusing those that have been filled with the Holy Spirit and having the spirit fall upon them, that they were drunk. And he says it right here that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. So as the gift is given, Jesus has ascended into heaven. The gift has been given. Now we have been launched into the last days according to Jesus. I want you guys to think about this, okay? So that as the Holy Spirit is given, we have been launched into the last days. For some 2,000 years, we have been as a world living as what the Bible recognizes as the last days. And for our brains, and when I think about Things about the 2,000 years, that's really hard to relate to because I still get excited about when you're watching a TV show and they discovered a Civil War gun. I own, I own a sniper rifle from World War I that was made in 1905. And I think that's one of the coolest things that I've got. I think about when we go to Israel and we see people pulling out from dig sites, coins from the time of Jesus and before, and you just can't make your mind go to a place that was over or that far away. But yet, this is how God is, how Jesus is trying to get us to think about his being, coming back soon. 2 Peter 3.8, look at this. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Psalms 94 says, For you, a thousand years are as, as as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. Let me say this again, church. God, I mean Jesus is coming soon. Let me go on to say it this way that God is not late. Look, listen, if we're going to believe that when we get healed or when a prayer, requ- a prayer that we've been taken to him is finally met and we believe that the timing of the Lord is perfect, we also have to believe that the return of his son Jesus will also be perfect. Amen? Look at this in Second uh, Peter 3.9. Contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some measure lateness. God is not late, and his son is returning soon. Church, I want to encourage you with something. Do not get bored with the things of God. Do not get bored because, you know, when you get into conversations and people will say things like, well, we've been talking about Jesus coming back for years and nothing has ever happened. Don't get bored with the things of God. Amen? Don't get distracted. Don't lose your awe. Everybody say awe. Don't lose your awe of God. Because at some point, he will look at Jesus and tell him to go back and get his church. Amen? This is important. There is value in talking about Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24. He says this, so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So there's value in this. And I just felt led by the Holy Spirit to spend a few moments looking at active signs. Listen, I'm going to be very transparent with you. I know that because we are, a, uh, we are people, we are people of flesh, and when it comes to things about Jesus coming back soon, we want to know the signs. You know, we're the people that want to see, we want to feel it, it needs to be tangible. So, so I thought I would just talk about what are some active signs that are going on right now that we know that the Bible speaks of. And last week we talked a little bit about the Jews returning to Israel, everybody remember that? That's called Aliyah, and they're making Aliyah. They're coming back to the land. And um, even now, they are flying thousands and thousands every year back to Israel to show them the country, show them what's there. Look at the jobs you can have. Look at the homes that you can live in. And and, and, and I made a statement last week talking about that they were at 42% of all Jews are back in Israel. That was based off of 2020. Based off of 2023, now you got to remember, from 2020 to the summer of 2021, nobody was going in and out of that country. And already in a year and a half, they are up to 46% of Jews have moved back to the nation of Israel. This is an active sign of prophecy that is going to happen when all Hebrew people will live in Israel at some point, And that will be... The end times, amen? That's when his return. That's when everything is going to come into, it's going to, it's going to bloom. Guys, what about the Euphrates? I'm not going to talk a lot about this. But in Revelations, it talks about that during the tribulation that the river Euphrates is going to dry up. I don't know if you guys have paid attention to the great river Euphrates right now, but this thing is drying up. Now, could, could a big rain hit it in a couple years and fill back up? Yeah, that's possible. But for the last decade or more, that river has slowly been drying up. And what we read of in Revelations is that when that thing finally goes bone dry, you don't want to be on planet Earth when that happens, okay? So we know that. Then there's signs in the heavens. Jesus said, look for signs in the heavens. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but at around the 1st of February, a piece of the sun broke off. Has anybody heard this? Is it, raise your hand if you've not heard what I've... is a piece of sun that... Um, a piece of sun broke off early in February. I went on to every news site. Everybody's confirming all this. And you know what, you guys? It is the first time in human history that they have ever seen a piece of the sun break off. They say that astronomers are baffled. Guys... I'm just telling you, we start looking for signs of the heavens, amen? So these things. But the thing that I'm the most excited to talk to you about today, about a tangible sign that is coming, that is the third temple. Can you guys give me five minutes on this? Okay, so the third temple. Here, here, here's a picture of it. I want you to know they've already got the schematics, the blueprints, everything. They they're, have architects who are giving their versions of what it should look like. What happened was, was last year, I had gone to Israel, Um, I've gone many times, but for some reason this time, everybody that I would get into a taxi, I would walk into a restaurant, I would go into a store, and I would be conversing with them, and they would say, hey, have you heard about our temple? Everybody in Israel, secular, orthodox, religious, they're all talking about the third temple. Now, um, what ha- before I went on this trip, I had a doctor that we, we had made an appointment, and she said, well, listen, when you get back from Israel, we'll take care of what needs to be taken care of. And she goes, and, and, um, I, she, goes, and she ends up telling me, I go to River Oak Church and this whole thing. She goes, I, I would love to hear about Israel when I get back. So, guys, I come back. I go to my doctor's appointment, and... Um, She begins to work on my face and stuff. She's got this pen that looks like a a tattoo remover or whatever, but it's not, you know, anyway. But she's working on my face and she goes, Tell me, she's trying to distract me because there's some zapping going on and stuff. And she goes, Just tell me, tell me about Israel. What what really stood out to you this year was different from other years that you've gone? And I told her some stuff, some new ministries that we met in Bethlehem and some other things that we're going to work in. But then I told her, I said, You know, doc, I go, I go, really what stood out to me was them talking about the third temple, because we all know that when that temple is completed, we know what comes next, that the Antichrist at some point is going to put himself into that temple and present himself as God. He's going to build, a, he's going to build an idol for the whole world. Guys, she pushes away from me and looks at me like this. And, 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 I, and I, I stop and she goes, I have never heard that. And she, and she goes, keep talking. So she rolls back up to me, zap, zap, zap. zap. She's talking. And I said, well, you know, they, they, found, they found the red heifers without blemishes. They've all been flown from Texas into Israel. And they'll end up using their ashes with the water that they've gathered to cleanse the temple. They're getting, and, and, and all of a sudden, I just hear the pen drop onto the, the table she has next to me. And she pushes away and she goes, our church never talks about this. She goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. And, guys, what happened was, was right then and there, I realized that we have not just people who are lost or people that, are, that do not go to church, but we have believers that do not know about the signs, active signs, that are happening right now. Guys, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's in, it's, in, it's in Old Testament, it's in New Testament. I want to give you some of this, so you guys check this out. Matthew 24, believe it or not, Jesus, in the Olivet Discourse, sitting on the side of Mount of Olives, he talks about this. Look at this, verse 15, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. And he's literally talking about the Antichrist and and the uh, and the statue or the idol that he is going to put into the temple. Look at Daniel 9, 26 to twenty seven. Then the end will come with a flood, and a war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler, that's the Antichrist, will make a treaty with the people for a period. Who are the people? Israel, for. At one set of seven, that's seven years, that is during the tribulation. But after half its time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. Now let me stop there just for a second. When Orthodox Jews would talk to me about the temple when I was there last year, you know what they were most excited about? Being able to do sacrifices again for atonement. Because guys, listen, they're, they're still looking for the, mess, the Messiah to come. They don't believe in Jesus, so they don't know that Jesus has come. They don't believe that he is the true Messiah. So they're looking forward to starting animal sacrifices again so that they can have atonement for their sins. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object, this idol, that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on them. A stay in Daniel Daniel eleven thirty six through thirty seven. The king, which is the antichrist, will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god, and will say unheard of things against the God of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completing. That's talking about the the um the tribulation. For what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his ancestors or for the one desired by women. Nor will he regard Any God, but will exalt himself above them all. Daniel 12, 13, look at this, very short one. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshiped, there will be 1,290 days. That is the second half of the tribulation. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but the Antichrist is gonna come in and he's gonna set up a treaty with Israel. He's going to allow this temple worship to start, but then three and a half years, he's going to take it away from them, and he's going to become God. Second Thessalonians, let's go back into the New Testament. This is Paul. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way for the day that will come until the rebellion occurs. This is going to happen, that there will be such a push in the world against God and against his scriptures, that this, this is what it's referring to. And the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is revealed, the man doomed to destruction he will oppose, he will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. The English Standard Version says it this way, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God proclaiming himself to be God. If you are looking for an active sign, just something that will let you know this is really happening, I'm telling you, you can go and look at thirdtemple.org and you can see everything that they're talking about uh, building this temple. It could, they would start building tomorrow if they could. Guys, if you want to watch a, a real interesting video, go to YouTube and look up the Holy Temple, will it change your life? The Holy Temple, will it change your life? And just listen to that video. All of this regarding the third temple is just evidence to us that this sign, just one of many, is a sign that we are drawing close. And let me, let me say this, church, listen. And that we are in the final stages. So this leads me to my first thought. And I'm going to go through these very quickly. My first thought is this. How do we respond in the final stages? My first thought is this. We show the world who we really are. I am a child of God. It's very important that in these final stages that we remain who we are, that we know who we are, that you are a child of God, you are a child of the Most High, that I am a follower of Jesus. John 1.12 says this, yet to all who, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do not get scared about the return of Jesus. Remember we've talked about this from Genesis to Revelations. You know what it tells us? That you and I are on the winning side. Come on church. We are on the winning side. The devil will not have the ultimate say. God has the final say. In the fi- in final say, in the final stages, Jesus is going to come back for his church. Give me an amen. You are on the winning side. I know who my savior is. Church. I know who he is. It's Yeshua HaMashiach. It is Jesus Christ. Amen? So we know this, that there is no weapon or force that can come and take away the promises that God has made. Isaiah 54, 17 says that, But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. Most of the world's reaction, listen to this, what happens when a hurricane we, we think is going to hit our shores? Or what did we really see come into act where it was activated was during the pandemic? Is that when, when hard times like this come, are about to hit us or do hit us, what do we do? Most, most uh, you know, people that have the ability to, they'll, they'll go to the hills. They'll go up and camp up in the hills. We begin stockpiling food. We begin stockpiling water. We begin stockpiling ammo. Is everybody with me? This is, this is how we react. We, faith all of a sudden takes a back seat to fear. Where Ephesians 2.10 reminds us, for we are his what? Workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What I believe God is calling us to be vigilant in, especially in these final stages, is be more vigilant in God's word. Can can I just say this? I just want to say it out loud. I want it to come from my, my mouth to you. All of us in this room should own a Bible, not a Bible app. Come on, not not something that's on our iPad, that we have a Bible, whether it's leather, paperback, fake leather, who cares, but that we have a Bible, because there's something about having this that you can have in a place of where you want to worship, that you can mark, that you can write your thoughts, that you can go and find. Oh, how New Testament to Old Testament. Oh wow. You have the study notes at the bottom. If you need advice on what Bible to go by, come talk to me or Pastor Lori. But I believe that in these final stages, one of the things we need to do is be more vigilant in his word. Amen. Come on. That we have more of a greater prayer life, that we're growing in how we pray. Listen, on on Wednesday nights and on awakening coming up tonight, we'll have people down here that are just pouring out their hearts in prayer and worship, but we have to become a people that knows how to talk to God and that we know how to listen. Amen. And how about this one then in my worship, but most importantly, how about in sharing the gospel? Pastor Matt, I can't do it. Yes, you can. No, Pastor Matt, you don't know my personality. I just can't share. Yes, you can. I promise you. Let me, let me just give you an easy one. You're out to coffee one day and one of your friends is talking about like, man, this is what's going on in my life. I don't know how you get through it. And then you go, well, I kind of know how I get through it. You know, uh, why don't you come in and check out our church? Why don't you come worship with us at Harvest? Let me tell you what God did for me. Is everybody with me on this? It's really, really that simple. You, we can do it through text and email. Say, Pastor, man, I can't talk face to face. Text them. Come on. I mean, guys, we, we, that in these final stages that we want to tell as many people about Jesus as we possibly can. Showing the world who you really are, that you are a child of God. Give me an amen. So second thought, how do we respond in these final stages? Ask God for more divine appointments. I'm going to taste that man this week. I've had more conversations with people just telling me about divine appointments, and they didn't even know this was a point in my message. That we have, that God would give us more divine appointments because people need to know about Jesus. They need to know about his life. They need to know about his love, his death, his resurrection. They need to know about his promises. They need to know about the Holy Spirit and his Father. They need to know about his return. They they just need to know he's coming soon. I don't know if you guys know this. This little graphic is going to come up here. But there's over 7,000 different languages in our world. You probably can't see this, but on Africa, it has like what they speak. And then down at the very bottom, it says other. That there's 58, basically 58% of Africa's languages are, they they, they don't even know how, they, they haven't written them down yet. There's so many different dialects. And this is the world that we live in. That there are still over, listen to this, 7,000 unreached people groups in our world. Over 3 billion people still have had no access to the gospel. The Bible has been translated into a little over 1,000 languages. The New Testament is over 1,600 languages. And the Jesus film, how many of you guys have heard of the Jesus film? That has now finally eclipsed 2,000. Now, you would say, well, Pastor Matt, that's still a long ways off. Well, let me tell you something. The majority of this growth that we're talking about here has been since the Internet came around. So we are speeding. We are barreling down. Remember, the birth pangs of the earth, they're getting closer and closer together to where we are entering the final stages. In the time we live in, our reach has been getting longer, wider, stronger, and faster. Let's look at it again, Matthew 24, 14. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the world so that all nations will hear it. And what does it say? And then, then the end will come. A huge part of you and I being prepared for his return, and I really believe this, it's you and I making sure as many people as possible are also prepared for his return. Think about the book of Daniel. Listen, I'm talking about the same guy that's in Daniel's in the lion, lion's den, okay? It's that same Daniel. If you, if, you know, if you know the book, the first six chapters are historical. That's where we get those killer stories about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And all, all, this is, all that's in that first six chapters. Then the, the last six chapters of Daniel, it's prophecy. And God gave him the ability to see 490 years of prophecy ahead of his life. Okay, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before, but that's that's what happened. God opened that up to him. Now let me give you a sobering statistic here that, that, that is true. Every prophecy that Daniel saw has been completed up to 483. There's only seven more years of prophecy left to be fulfilled. And guess what that is? The tribulation. That's what he talks about. That's what he sees. That's the only thing left out of all the prophecy in the book of Daniel left to be fulfilled. Look at this in Daniel 12, 1 through 3. And at that time, Michael, this is the great archangel Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise and there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people... Everyone whose name is found written in the, in the book of life, written in the book, Lamb's book of life. Listen, why are we telling people about Jesus? Because we want their names in this book. Give me an amen, church. Come on. They, we want them in the Lamb's book. We want them to be written down. It shows that they have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And it says what? It says they will be delivered. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. Look, let's look at the scripture. I love this. Those who are wise, you know who, who I believe Daniel's talking about right there? That's you and I. That, that's who he's talking about because look what it says after. We'll shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness. So in this fulfillment of prophecy before tribulation ever comes, he's talking about us, those who are wise, those who know the gospel, and we're leading many to Jesus, so many, what? They're like the stars forever and ever. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise on this, that that many people will come to know Jesus. How do we respond? We're telling people. We do this so that no one person would miss the amazing glorious, unimaginable future there will be with Jesus for eternity. Here's my third and final thought. We're gonna have the worship team to come on up. Let's give our worship team another hand. Man, they did a great job. Just love their hearts. Very, very thankful for them. So my last thought is this right here, is that how do we respond in these final stages? Stand firm and love well. And what what does it say at the end? At the same time okay? Can't stand firm and be mean or selfish. You know what I mean? We can't, this is not just for us. We're standing firm and we're also loving people well. We're doing this at the same time. Harvest Assembly, I'm just telling you as your pastor, as we go into the final stages, whatever God intends, we are going to stand firm. We're going to stand firm. We will not stop teaching what the Word of God has to say about marriage, about sexuality, about gender, about life, that there is only one way to God and it's through Jesus. We're not going to water down the gospel. We are soon approaching a time for the church where we are going to have to make a choice in a decaying culture that the world is expecting the church to embrace it. Listen, here's what they're going to say. You can't just say that you disagree. They're going to say, you must agree with us. That's, that's where we're going. I'm just telling you, that's where we're going. Church, let me say it again. We are going to stand firm. We are going to do it. We are going to stand firm. We are going to love well so that no one, everybody say no one, so that no one misses the most incredible love story event in human history. Come on. The event that Jesus comes back, for his bride, that when Jesus comes back for his church, when, his, when Jesus comes back for you and for me, that when Jesus comes back in church, let's all celebrate this together. Jesus is coming soon. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise one more time. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes just for a second. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I just pray that there wouldn't be anybody in this place today that will feel intimidated, dear Lord, or feel like that, that, um, that it scares them or that they're filled with fear. But that, Father, that inside their hearts, inside their minds, Lord, that, they, that they're beginning to realize, dear God, that, that we actually have a really, really cool job, and that is to tell people we have a purpose. dear Lord. We, there, there, is, there is strategy behind this, dear Lord, that you don't want to see one person miss your son. And so, dear God, I just pray that as our eyes are closed, dear Lord, if there's anybody in this place that might say, Pastor Matt, I'm in a place of struggle. My faith has is, is been smashed, it's been torn apart, and, and, and I'm not ready, I'm not prepared. I don't, I don't know if I could lead anybody to, to Christ because of just where I am, my situation, mind space, your heart, whatever it is that you're going through, but you're saying, Pastor Matt, I need prayer. I need, I need something to happen there. I need a shift in my atmosphere. When nobody looking around, everybody's eyes closed, would anybody raise their hand and say, Pastor Matt, that's me. I need, I need some prayer this morning. Yeah, 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 all throughout this place. All right. Father God, I wanna thank you for these that lifted their hands and. Jesus, I know that during the message that you are already working on their hearts. You're already beginning to work. And so, God, I just pray that even as they lifted their hands, that that just, that just made the atmosphere you, God, that that, that that was their surrender to whatever you want, whatever the plan is for their lives. I don't know what they're going through, dear God, but you're there for them. I don't know what they've seen, what's been said to them. I don't know what they're feeling, but your Holy Spirit is resting here with them. And god i'm just asking for a supernatural ignite to happen in their lives dear lord that their hearts are going to be stirred up that their minds are going to wake up dear god that their eyes are going to see their ears are going to hear and their mouths are going to speak your truth but father god most importantly that the world their family their friends are going to see what you're doing in their lives because only you can do this god money can't do it the world has nothing to offer us dear god And Lord, we just ask you to come in and that you would reveal yourself and that you would give them fresh revelation. In fact, God, I pray this, that from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet right now, that you would anoint them with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in your holy and precious name. And everybody said amen. Let's all stand together real quickly.